Hey, church family, our scripture for today comes from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. Hear now the word of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, life doesn't always turn out the way we want it or expect it. In fact, if you're watching this sermon, it's because our live stream didn't work. It was not what we expected, but sometimes that's the way it is. It's just a minor inconvenience. But other times, life breaks our hearts, leaves us broken. It can leave us in a pit of despair without hope if we're not careful. But when that happens, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we go on? I, I, I wish there was an easy answer for that, but there's not. Hope isn't easy. It's attainable, but it isn't easy. But hope must be grounded in something for it to be truly hope. Otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. What are you grounding your hope in? You know, when I was a, a kid, there were, I had so many dreams for my life, things that I wanted to do. I remember when I was little, I wanted to be an astronaut or a police officer or a firefighter. And then as I got a little older, I wanted to be a football player or a rock star. And then as I got on a little older, I thought maybe I'll be a, a lawyer like my dad and my, my granddad. And then getting to college, I thought uh, I wanted to be an accountant because I liked the business side of things. Those were different dreams that I had. But at some point, reality set in. You know, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. And so to be an astronaut means you have to kind of get in a little capsule and, and hurl off into space. And that, that wigs me out a little bit. So that dream didn't come true. And uh, my dream of being a football player, uh, it could have happened except for a couple of things. I was too slow. Uh, I was not strong enough uh, and not talented enough. Other than that, I could have made it in the big leagues. And then... As I got older and, and got to college, I, I surely thought that being an accounting uh, uh, major would work out. But my dreams changed. These were all dreams that I had, dreams that did not come true. Because partly I had different dreams. But sometimes we lose sight of our dreams. Uh, we lose hope. And for many of us, we can fall into despair when our dreams don't come true. And how frustrating that can be. We can't ground our hope in our dreams because many won't come true. And dreams sometimes change. Loss of hope, losing sight of a dream, having someone dash our dreams. Have you been there? Are you living there? I think as a, a nation, we're living in kind of a season of despair all that's going on in our country with COVID-19 and the uncertainty of life and how to live in this time is tough. And then to add on top of that, these issues of racism that we're walking through currently, uh, this painful disease of racism and, and wondering how to respond to evil. 
This is not what we thought our nation should be like. This is not what our founding fathers wanted for our nation. A nation divided over so much. The chaos in our world can sometimes unground our hope, especially if we're not careful. But if we are to have hope, it has to be grounded in something. Where do we ground our hope? Sometimes as we look at the world, we we begin to turn inward and we sometimes want to ground our hope in ourselves. That rarely works out well for me. Uh, Because oftentimes, I'm such a poor judge of what is actually going on in my life. Uh, I can lose sight of reality and tend to think that my life is worse off than it really is. My emotions can go up and down. And so it's not good to ground your hope in yourself. Uh, It needs to be grounded in something a little more stable. In fact, if we look at our forefathers and and foremothers in the faith, I, I have a feeling that their life didn't turn out the way they expected. I wonder how many times they felt like they had lost their hope or their dreams. Just think about Abraham and Sarah. Promised that they would be the parents uh, of a great nation, yet they had no children, and they had to wait decades for that hope to be revealed and fulfilled. Or Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, was put in prison for years for for something he didn't do. He was innocent. I wonder how many times at night he set up thinking to himself, this was not what I had dreamed for, for my life. Or Moses, born into poverty, but raised in the courts of Pharaoh, leading God's people away from the civilized world and into the desert and having to wander for 40 years, leading a people that always second-guessed Uh, his leadership, and then in that 40 years, never to enter into the promised land. That was not what he had hoped for. Think of the prophets who spoke so faithfully for God, who were ignored, discredited, mocked, beaten, and even killed. Or think of Esther, forced to marry the leader of the known world, a marriage she didn't want. Uh, and then facing the genocide of her own people and having to put her life on the line. That's not what she had hoped for in her life. Or in the New Testament, I think of Stephen preaching the gospel until that final stone took his breath and his life. He didn't wake up that day thinking he was going to die. That's not what he thought his life would be like. We could go on and on. In the Bible, there's multiple stories But today I want to focus on one person specifically, and that's David. You know the story. It took place in the Valley of Elah. Here we have these two armies, the the Philistine army camped on one side, the enemies of God's people, and Saul, the king, and his armies of Israel camped on the other side. It was a standoff. But the Philistines, they had the upper hand because they had a giant of a man named Goliath, who was their warrior. And Goliath was taunting the, the nation of Israel and, and taunting the armies there and, uh, and insulting them. And, and he challenged them to come and fight. But Saul's army, the Israelites, they were afraid. They were frightened. They were in despair. They thought, in a sense, that God had abandoned them. 
they had lost their hope. Enter the unlikeliest of heroes. Here comes this youngest son of his father who wasn't able to go to war, but had to spend his time going back and forth between shepherding his father's flocks and providing provisions for his brothers in the war. That's when he heard the giant shout out, defying the armies of the Lord. And he saw how the armies of Saul melted like wax and and fled before Goliath. But you probably know the rest of the story, don't you? You remember how David stood up before everyone else. He wasn't afraid. And he faced that giant with five smooth stones, a sling, and a promise from God. This brash young kid had hope. And he cried out to Goliath. I want to read from uh, the text from 1 Samuel 17, what, uh, what David said. Uh, we read these words. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all that this assembly may know that the Lord does not say by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow, it's quite an inspiring speech that he gives there as he's looking up to this giant Goliath. Every time I read those words, I love it. I'm inspired. And you know how David did indeed kill Goliath with one stone and that promise from God. You see where David had grounded his hope. It was an amazing victory for David. It was an amazing victory for the whole nation of Israel. Everyone began to celebrate. They were singing and worshiping and dancing before God. All looked incredibly well for this young man of God, David, a war hero. Even more than that, he had already been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king after King Saul. King Saul's son, Jonathan, should have been king, but Jonathan knew that David was going to be king, and Jonathan and David became fast friends. Uh, They had even made a covenant with each other that they would always be friends. Things were looking great. And in fact, uh, Saul even promised uh, his oldest daughter to be David's wife. David was living a life beyond his wildest dreams. And that's when it happened. Because of jealousy, Saul wanted to kill David. And his promised wife was taken away from him and given to another man. He had to say goodbye to his best friend, Jonathan, and most likely he never got to speak to him again the rest of his life because David had to go on the run and hide out in the wilderness because the king wanted him dead. This war hero, now a hunted man, this future king in hiding, uh, hiding for his life, wondering if he would ever truly be king. He had been faithful and faithful to God and his calling. But how had his life spiraled into this? It was an opportunity for dashed dreams, for lost hope. So why didn't David drift off into despair, his hope completely lost? Why didn't David just throw up his hands and say, I quit? Why didn't David retaliate against Saul and kill him? He had plenty of opportunities. Why? Because he had hope. 
because he grounded his hope in something permanent. God. Hope. What is hope? You know, in our world today, hope is often understood more as kind of a wishful thinking. Like I would say, you know, I hope uh, when I get home this afternoon that someone has given me a brand new pickup truck. Or I hope that I win the lottery. Good luck. It's probably not going to happen. But hope, to truly be hope, has to be grounded in something. The biblical understanding of hope is this. It's first an expectation of the future. Second, it is trust in attaining that future. And third, it is patience while waiting for that future. And then fourth, confidence in the divine promises from God. Attainment of this future lies beyond our abilities. It is grounded in who God is. It is only through hope grounded in the promise of God. Hope must be grounded in something. But if it's grounded in the wrong thing, it's only wishful thinking. And without hope, life loses its meaning, its purpose. For hope to be genuine and not foolishness, it must be grounded in God and in His promises. David trusted God. I want you to hear that. He trusted God. In the good and in the bad, David trusted God. And we see this throughout Scripture, that that hope is grounded in the promise, in the covenant of God. But there's something about the Psalms that reminds us of the hard-fought battle of hope. Hope isn't easy. Hope doesn't mean that everything is easy. Hope usually happens in the midst of difficulties. But hope sees the beyond. So, let me give you an example. David could cry out in one breath, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. That doesn't seem very helpful, does it? But then in the very next breath, we hear these words of David. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our ancestors, trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. David trusted God, and in spite of the circumstance that he found himself in, he trusted God. He, he knew that God would not be silent forever. He knew that God was there. He knew that God's character of holiness and justice, it would not allow evil and suffering to go on forever. David trusted God. We see this in many psalms, but let me uh, read from Psalm 31, 9 through 13. We hear these words again from David. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. The strength fails me because of my misery and my bones waste away. I'm the scorn of all my adversaries, a horror to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've passed out of mind like one who is dead. I become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many terror all around as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. Again, it doesn't sound too hopeful, but David is sharing the reality of what is happening right there. And that's, that's part of hope is knowing that the, the reality might not be there yet of, of the hope, but, but not ignoring it. 
But then that's not the end of the psalm. For the very next line reminds us of the hope that David had because of his trust. It says this, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. Be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. I love that. Uh, on the one hand, acknowledging what's going on that might not be good, but, but yet still hopeful, knowing the promises of God because David had grounded his hope in something. Our hope is found in trusting God, is also found in the patient waiting, knowing that today is not how it should be. But just wait, it'll change. There will come a day when hope will be fulfilled. So David again reminds us in Psalm 27. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. And wait for the Lord. And not to be undone, as we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes similar words in this truth from God. The Apostle Paul, like, like David, understood suffering. He understood the struggles of daily life and dashed dreams. But we read these words from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. And let me turn to there. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. You see there, and, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. That's the promise. Hope is produced by endurance through suffering. And this hope that we have is, is because of God's love poured into our hearts. It is this love, this gift of God's eternal love, this promise of hope. Both David and Paul experienced suffering and pain and despair. Did God cause all these things to happen? I say, no, he didn't cause them to happen. I would say the same thing about your life and mine. God doesn't cause some of these things to happen. I love how my good friend Lou uh, says it, and I quote, God did not cause my parents to get a divorce when I was five. God did not cause the death of my best friend when we were sophomores, or the death of my mom during my junior year of high school, nor the death of my father just weeks before I left for college. I echo the words of Joseph in Genesis fifty twenty: Others intended for harm, but God used it for good to accomplish what is now being done. I love that quote. How can, how can he say that? Because he had hope grounded in something eternal. Again, I want to finish by returning to the words of Paul. These words also come from Romans, and they have been a great help in dark days. They're a reminder of the promise of God. They're a reminder that I must trust in God. They're a reminder to patiently wait for God. They're a reminder that hope produces endurance. They're a reminder that our God is a God who has poured out his love into our lives. And that he has given us a purpose 
and he's given us a way when there seems to be no way. A God who is with us every step of our life. This is my prayer for you today and every day. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope must be grounded in something. I ground my hope in God. What about you? My name is hope because I serve a God of hope, a God who has bestowed on me that name. Let us pray. Thank you, O God, that you are our hope, that you never leave us or forsake us. In this day, we, I don't know what's going on in our lives around me, but I know that there's so many things that can cause us to be fearful. Are we feeding our fear or are we fueling our hope? God, I pray that you would help us fuel our hope this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, it's been a blessing to be with you today. I hope you have a blessed day. And I know that you will because God is your hope. Go in peace. Amen.